This is recording number 10727 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Palo, California. This is the fourth message in the Redirecting Your Future series by Randy Bold. It was recorded on Sunday morning, September 19, 2007. This message is titled, Forgiveness. And we're continuing our we're continuing our, our study called Redirecting Your Future. And we're talking about the ways that God can meet us in those times when we, by our own choices, our own actions, by uh, our associations with um, other people, by what others have, how others have influenced us, how we've found ourselves by any of that, on a path towards a future or a destination that God did not have in mind for us, uh, a future we don't want, and how God can meet us in those times in His redeeming grace and cause our future to be redirected as we partner and cooperate with Him. Uh, And we have been talking about some of those future redirecting principles Along the way, we've talked about obedience. We've talked about faith. And um, last week, we talked about uh, surrender. And today, we're going to talk about forgiveness, the future redirecting principle of forgiveness. Now, I asked you to turn to the very last uh, chapter in the book of Genesis. Many of you might be familiar with the story of Joseph. Joseph. and it's a long one, and I don't want to take, I can't, I can't take time this morning to, to give you the whole rundown. But bottom line, Joseph was a guy who got messed over by people. You know what that means? Do I need to interpret? <laughs> Anybody in this room ever been messed over? Had been done to? Just me then. All right. Well, that's all right. I, I, I'm satisfied with that. You're a captive audience. I'll just talk to myself for a while. But anyway, Joseph was a guy who got the raw end of the deal many times. People took advantage of him. We're going to talk more about that, so I won't go into much detail. But the, the most significant uh, violators uh, were his brothers, his own family. And um, they... Uh, you know, to make a long story short, they sold him into slavery uh, over uh, jealousy. And um, that set off a whole chain of events that we'll be talking about. But in the end, God um, placed uh, Joseph, who had been sold into slavery, to the, uh, the place of highest prominence in Egypt, the greatest um, uh, Power or you know political um, force on the planet at the time, the most prominent, the superpower of the age, Egypt. Joseph, who was sold, became second in charge of all of of Egypt, and uh, Joseph's brothers eventually were brought face to face with Joseph, the one they thought long gone, the one they thought they'd gotten rid of. Uh, now, he, they had to come to him just to be able to have, in a time of famine, famine, they had to come to him to just get enough food to eat. And, uh, but Joseph was merciful and kind to them and their families and took care of them. Um, and 
Joseph's brothers thought that Joseph's kindness towards them after all they'd done to him was on the basis of the fact that their father still lived. And so that Joseph wasn't uh, taking retribution against them because their dad was still alive. But they expected that when their father passed away that Joseph then would take revenge upon them. And so what we see here in chapter 50 uh, of the book of Genesis is that moment where Joseph's and his brother's father has died. And now the brothers are, they're just expecting the guillotine to drop. And uh, they come to Joseph and they make this wild case about how he should spare their lives and all this stuff. I want you to see with me... um, in, in, uh, towards the end of the, of the chapter, in verse um, 20, chapter 50, verse 20, what Joseph says to them. But as for you, he's talking to his brothers, you meant evil against me. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not excusing it. He's saying, you guys meant evil against me but God meant it for good now before I finish this out let me just make sure that you understand that God isn't the one who authored the evil things that Joseph experienced don't misunderstand that God is not the author of evil he doesn't make bad things happen but God redeems the bad things that happen. That means he buys them back. And the Bible tells us in Romans that all things work together for good to those who love God. Even when we get messed over by others, God can redeem that when we give him our hearts and our trust. Then what others have... My, or. or uh, Even our adversary, the devil, has meant for our harm. God can do this. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God used it for good in order to bring it about as as it is this day to save many people alive. Had they, you know, the, the story of God's miraculous intervention in Joseph's life and how that ended up saving people in a time of, of, uh, multi-year famine is a remarkable story but what i want you to see from verse 20 of chapter 50 of the book of genesis is that we have in in joseph a man who has no bitterness no unforgiveness in his heart at all none his heart is clean you guys meant this for evil i'm not gonna i'm not gonna paste over it i'm not gonna i'm not going to excuse it But God, you guys meant this for evil, but God and his heart is clean. Now, that is what allowed Joseph's future to come to this day. You're going to see how several points along Joseph's life, his future was a different, a different path. Others were messing with his life and causing his future to be headed towards something far less than this. But because Joseph kept his heart clean of bitterness and unforgiveness, God was always able to redirect his future. And it might be that you find yourself in similar situations. So let's talk about that. I've already said this, but uh, I want to uh, um, get it on the screen before you so that I can kind of drill this home. Joseph 
maintained a forgiving spirit even though severely violated by others. Joseph maintained a forgiving spirit even though severely violated by others. I want to talk about those violations in a little more detail. I want to talk about the first one, which was cruelty. Joseph um, was treated cruelly. And I don't mean that somebody just called him a bad name or something like that. It was much more severe than that. And always when we um, uh, get uh, are on the receiving end of some kind of cruelty, make no mistake about it, there is a satanic strategy involved. Now, you might not believe in the devil, and he's very happy about that if you don't. Because he is trying to ruin your life and do it in as quiet a way as possible. The reason that he's got you a big target or you have a big target on, his, on your chest as far as he's concerned is because God loves you. And God loves you. And God loves you. And God loves you. And anything God loves, the devil is absolutely opposed to. It ticks him off so much. And so anything he can do to ruin you, anything he can do to make your life miserable, he's going to go for it. So there's always a satanic strategy involved in, um, in these kinds of violations that assault us. Cruelty, for one. The strategy of the adversary when you are the recipient of cruelty. When you have been abused or taken advantage of in severe ways. And many in this room have. And I don't even say that because I know you. I do know you. But I say that just because the statistics would prove that out. Many of us, right here, right now, have been violated, been taken advantage of by other people in severe ways. Abused. And the satanic strategy in that is to enslave you to anger. Think about Joseph. His brothers, they were ticked off at him because um, they were jealous. And so they came up with this whole plan to... Uh, uh, they sold him off to these Bedouin traders who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave. And then they took Joseph's coat and they dipped it in, in uh, lamb's blood and they tore it up and they took it to their dad and said, Hey, we found this. Isn't this Joseph's coat? I wonder if he got attacked uh, by a wild animal. Maybe he's dead. And they planted that into his father's heart. And so... Uh, they were trying to, they thought they'd gotten rid of this troublemaker brother that they were so jealous of. The reason they were jealous of him was because their father doted on him and because it was clear that God had great plans for Joseph's life. Nonetheless, had Joseph not been willing to end forgiveness, excuse me, extend forgiveness to, the Lord, uh, to his brother, he could have become a slave, not just to uh, an, uh, an Egyptian military officer, which he did, I mean, which he, whose household he was sold into, but a slave, a slave to anger. How many of you know people who are, they live their lives angry? There's always just an undertow of anger in their lives, and it erupts every now and again. Well, that's because, often that's because they have been treated cruelly 
and not known how to extend forgiveness, not known how to, to uh, remove that bitterness from their heart. And so they live their lives a slave to anger. That's what the devil wants. The potential is, if we uh, take this to its, uh, to its uh, destination, if, if this uh, becomes Joseph's future, if this becomes the track of his life, he will live a life dominated by a need to achieve revenge. That's not the future God had in mind for Joseph. It's not the future God has in mind for any of us in this room or any of the people that we know. That's not the future God has in mind for us. The result, though, of when we um, discover this kind of, you know, unforgiveness or bitterness in our heart that's heading us towards that future, and we decide not to go there and to give God the opportunity to redirect our future by offering forgiveness... The result can be a freedom to serve others, not to extract revenge from them. And that's what happened with Joseph. He got sold into uh, Potiphar's household. Potiphar was a military officer. And um, the Bible tells us that Joseph was, uh, he, had, he gained favor with Potiphar to the point where he was able to serve Potiphar's household so effectively, Potiphar put everything that he owned under Joseph's uh, command and direction. And, you, you know, often when you find people who are ruled with bitterness or, or um, you know, the resulting anger that that can cause, they are people that don't know how they cannot serve because their relationships with people are all about extracting revenge and they don't know how to just give of themselves but we don't find that with Joseph they find him free to serve the second violation that we read about in Joseph's life had to do with false accusations when Joseph um uh, was serving in Potiphar's house his wife Potiphar's wife took a liking to uh, Joseph, thought he was a, a real hottie and wanted to get into bed with him. And he kept refusing her advances. And uh, one day, um, you know, she was going for it with everything she had and Joseph had to run for his life. And he, he, as he ran, she got a hold of his garment, his outer garment, his cloak. Well, you can almost figure out what's going to happen next. As Joseph escapes, when Potiphar comes home, uh, Potiphar's wife is so livid with um, anger about Joseph not, um, you know, uh, excuse me, not succumbing to her entrapment that she says to her husband, that, that young man that you put over our household, he tried to rape me and here's the proof of it. I have his coat. And uh, so Potiphar had Joseph thrown in jail. A false accusation. Have you ever been accused falsely? Or even misunderstood? It's a frustrating thing, isn't it? I remember one time, very vividly, I remember one time when uh, Sue and I were pastoring in our first church. There were a handful of people that got this notion about me that was absolutely false in every way. They thought that one, I mean, they thought all kinds of weird things, but one of them was that they thought that I, I had a, a thing or a, a, some sort of bent towards 
uh, keeping women under control. I didn't. Exp I I never thought that they they want <laughs> that they should serve in the church or anything like that. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I mean, it was totally totally bizarre and totally false. And in fact, if you, uh, I was the one who was always in our church council meetings and everything. I was always the one promoting women. And asking those guys to, to, because um, initially, <laughs> our church council that was all men, and I kept saying, you know what, this has got to stop. And I, I was the the advocate. But, but anyway, that is one of many things that they had in their mind about me. And you know what, it sort of took on a life of its own. When someone gets an idea about you and they accuse you falsely, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. You, I feel for the guys in, uh, you know, in the uh, in, in the political arena and in entertainment. You, you know, read their their headlines on the the headlines on the newspapers and magazines about some awful thing that somebody has said about them. And you know, probably most of the time it's true. But even if it is, nothing, nothing you can do when you've been falsely accused to defend yourself. You know, if you try to defend yourself, you look like you're guilty. And if you don't, you look like you're guilty. You're stuck. And Joseph was uh, the recipient of false accusations and not just left alone, thrown in jail. And they threw away the key. He was never going to get out of there. And Satan had a strategy to not just keep him in a physical prison, but to jail Joseph in a prison of frustration. So that he would spend his life constantly frustrated that why do they think these things? Why can't I change their mind? How could anybody think that about me? And the potential was that Joseph would have a future... Uh, like this, a life confined by futile attempts to prove himself. And we know people like that, don't we? That everything they do, they always have to make sure that they're presented in the best light. They always, they're the ones that always want to make sure you know. That they're not like Jim and, and Sheila that you can serve without being even known. They're the ones that want to make sure everybody knows because, you know, we've got to justify ourselves. And that, that's no way to live. God doesn't want for us to live that way. He didn't want for Joseph, Joseph to live that way. But because Joseph did not allow unforgiveness and bitterness to rule his heart, the ultimate result was that he was trusted by others. The guard of the prison uh, basically gave Joseph the keys. He's, and the Bible tells us that he didn't, the, 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 the warden of the jail, the warden of the prison, didn't even think about anything going on. He, he, he had no cares about what was happening in his prison because he trusted Joseph with it all. I want to be someone who does not allow bitterness and unforgiveness to rule my heart because I want to be someone who is not always trying to figure out some way to prove myself to others. I want to be someone that others just simply trust because... Because, because I'm trustworthy. 
That's the future I want. The third violation that we see in Joseph's life had to do with broken promises. While he was in the jail there, um, two of Pharaoh's, the king of Egypt's, two of Pharaoh's uh, chief officers displeased him, and they got thrown into jail. And so Joseph encounters them there, right? He's in charge of the jail, basically. And so these two guys show up, and he gets acquainted with them. The two of them have uh, real troubling dreams one night. And uh, they come to Joseph because they think, well, this guy's pretty smart and, and a pretty spiritual guy, uh, a pretty spiritual guy. Maybe he can help us figure out what these dreams mean. And um, so Joseph says to the one guy, well, he says, I've got some bad news for you. This dream means you're going to get your head cut off. Sorry. Uh, but for you, your dream means that you're going to be getting out of here pretty soon. And when you do, would you do me a favor? Put in a good word for, uh, to Pharaoh for me because I don't belong here. And the guy says, whoopee, I'm going to get out of here. You bet. I'm going to tell him all about you, right? And so when it all happens, just as Joseph said, the one guy gets executed. The other guy gets released from jail, goes back to serving Pharaoh and forgets all about Joseph, never says a word to him. Ever had someone break a promise? Like all the time. <laughs> it hurts. Especially if you're really counting on it. And I, I think a lot about little children who's, and I, you know, I, I, I'm a parent of three kids. They're all grown now. But um, I know how easy it is to make statements that your children take as golden promises. And, and, to, and to find yourself treating those statements casually. To them, it's not just a casual thing. It's a broken promise. And it, it hurts. And it's not just for parents, by the way, to make sure that we are people who keep our word. But it's just something that we all long for and want. It's for people to be straight with us and to tell us the truth. And when they say they're going to fix my car in three days, I want to be able to show up with my credit card and walk out of there with my car. I don't want to show up there and say, oops, we found something else. You know? I want to... But don't we just get so cynical about this? We don't figure anybody's going to tell us the truth anymore, especially a car salesman, right? <laughs> Sorry. We figure, we figure that nobody's being straight with us, so we're, we, we always approach every situation and every circumstance with a cynical eye. Oh, yeah, right. Don't we? That's not the future God intended for us, to live our lives in, in cynicism. But when we, are the experiences, or when we have experienced um, ongoing pattern of broken promises in our life, that, that the devil uses that to crush our faith and our, belief, our, be, our ability to believe in people and trust others. And ultimately, that has to do with God. And the potential is that we live a life shallow and guarded. We're unwilling to step out into, uh, and take risks because we can't trust anybody. 
we're unwilling to deeply trust in another position, another person because if we do, we feel like we might get let down. So we always keep a close guard in our heart. We never really expose our souls to other, another person because they could take advantage of us. That's not the life God wants for us. That's not the future God had in mind for Joseph or us. But because Joseph was someone who refused to give in to bitterness and unforgiveness because he kept his heart clean before God, even there in a stinking jail, a place where he doesn't belong because he was sold into slavery by some brothers who <laughs> just decided one day they, didn't, they wanted to off him uh, because he was falsely accused by a woman he fought against and, and would not accept her advances. Everything worked against him. Still, he chose not to become a bitter or unforgiving person, and that allowed him to become a person of confident leadership. King Pharaoh had a dream, a really troubling dream, and he was calling all of his smart guys in and saying, can any of you figure this thing out? I, this is really bugging me. I need to know what, what this means. And none of the None of his advisors could help him. And suddenly the one guy who had been in prison, remember, with Joseph, and, and Joseph had interpreted, interpreted his dream, he goes, oh, I forgot. There's this guy in jail. His name is Joseph. I bet he could help you out. He helped me out. So they bring Joseph out of prison. Joseph interprets the dream to the king of Pharaoh, and it basically is, Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. God is saying that over the next few years, there's going to be great plenty. You know, it's going to be a time of, of rich harvests, and your flocks and herds are going to reproduce, and, you know, great, great plenty. And here's what the Lord wants you to do. He's telling you this so that you'll store up uh, reserves because after this season of fruitfulness ends, there's going to be a protracted season of famine. If you do what I'm telling you, what God is telling you, you'll be ready for it. And Pharaoh goes, wow. There's nobody around here as smart as you. I think I'm going to make you in charge of all this stuff. And puts, um, promotes Joseph, not only gets him out of prison, but promotes him to second in charge of all of Egypt. And um, the story goes on. It's, I, don't, I don't have time to, to go any further with that. I'd like to ask you to set your things aside and stand with me as we close. <clears throat> it's an interesting story, a fun story, a wonderful story, you know, Joseph's life. And I wish we'd had the time to be able to read more of it out of the scriptures. But really, the point is not Joseph. The point is you and me. And many of us right here in the room have been, oh, we get along fine. You know, we're, 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 we're capable people. We hold jobs, you know, we, we, we bring home a paycheck, we manage households, we raise kids, we, we have friends we do things with, we, you know, life is all right. But back there somewhere, for many of us, is some of this stuff. People who have treated us cruel, cruelly, taken advantage of us, abused us. And we didn't know it at the time. We figured, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just life. And I'll figure out how to, how to get along. And yet the residue of that, of that um, violation remains with us in ways that we aren't always aware of. But what ends up happening is that our lives become dominated 
by a need to seek revenge or to get the tables turned around right and to make sure that justice is served. Well, let me de- tell you, dear one, that's no way to live. That's not the way God intended for life to be. Some of us have experienced what it is to be falsely accused or misunderstood. So much so that we've kind of written everybody, you know, off. And uh, we figure, you know, oh well. But that's no way to live either. A life confined by futile attempts to to prove yourself? Mm Mm-mm. And some of us have been on the receiving end of a broken promise. Perhaps someone who stood with you at an altar before a minister and put a ring on your finger and said, till death do us part, and didn't. That stuff stays with us. And if we're not careful, the unforgiveness that rises up in, those, in, the, in the wake of that occurrence can cripple our lives. Not so that you need to be put away in a sanitarium or anything like that. In fact, most people would know or would think everything's just dandy. But maybe not. Maybe you find yourself living a a guarded, shallow life because you've learned not to be able to trust others. So you don't open your, your, your life up and experience all that God wants for you to because ultimately you've come to not be sure you can even trust Him. That's no way to live. It's not the way God intended for you to live. I want to ask you to join with me today in coming before the Lord as we close in prayer asking the Lord to illuminate any of those places in our life where we have been holding on to unforgiveness in one of its, you know, forms. Anger. A need to prove yourself. A distrust of others. And let's ask the Lord to Help us even just, I don't think it's too wild to, to think that, you know, we could s- see this stuff solved right now. God, meet us right now. Help us, Lord, to release these people, these circumstances, these events into your hands. You have forgiven us. Allow us, Lord, help us, Lord, right now to be able to let the flow of your forgiveness not just come to us, but through us to those who have violated us. We want that cleansing stream of your kindness, your goodness, and your forgiveness as it flows through us to others to flush out the debris of the junk that has been lodged in our souls. I pray, Lord, that as we leave here today, we could be like Joseph and know in our heart of hearts, yeah, we, we, we were taken advantage of. 
Yes, we were treated cruelly. Yes, we were whatever. But God. Lord, we look forward to walking with you towards the future you have in mind for us, free from that stuff. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.